What is up, everybody? Joseph here, Rad Parenting with my co-host, Anaya Bo. And someday we may start a show another way. It's Every time we started, we started exactly the same way. Right? Well, we're like hip-hop stars. We have to be like saying our names as much as possible so nobody knows. There you go. I literally went through some of the episodes because I was sending some to some people. They were like, hey, I want to hear Rad Parenting. I've heard about it. What episodes do you want me to send? And I was going through, and everyone starts out with, hey, Joe Sib here, Rad Parenting. And then, hi, I'm Anaya Bo. Like right there, <laughs> both of us together. We're predictable. We've had coffee. Uh, you just got back from Paris. I did. That was amazing, right? Yeah, we can't talk about that too much, but yes. That's a whole other episode, right? <laughs> That's an episode about what it what it is to travel overseas with your mother-in-law. You know what? I'm telling you right now, that would be a great show. Because I, I can tell you right now, listeners are like, I, whatever you're going to talk about, it will not be as good. <laughs> So you were, just really quick, can I just break yeah, it down? Sure. How yep. long were you in Paris with your mother-in-law? Uh, six days with my mother-in-law and my two daughters. Okay. And uh, it was, uh, we made the most of the time there. I was very happy about that. My little one has this strange affinity for the Eiffel Tower that nobody can explain. Um, at one point, actually, her two favorite things are the Statue of Liberty and the Eiffel Tower. And I actually didn't know until we got there that the Statue of Liberty, the first Statue of Liberty is actually in Paris. So I said to her, I said, you know, I think maybe in a past life you you lived in Paris. She goes, you know what, Mama? I think I did. I think I was a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of them there. I love that. I love that. <laughs> anyway, so it was very good. But let me tell you that, you know, post, you know, the terrorist attacks, Ugh. we spent so much time in, I mean, in line at the airport, getting into two hours to get through customs on the way in, another two hours on the way out, we had to go through customs and every single like major site that we went to because it was like, it's a potential target. The security was just insane. Uh, yeah. And as you can imagine, that's pretty much going on everywhere right now. Just this summer, it's been so tight, which leads me into sidebar uh, for everybody. We are pulling together a show uh, that Anae and I have been kind of, I want to say like we've had the idea for a while and finally it's going to come actually and happen is we're bringing in an expert to talk about when and how mm. to talk to our kids. I love are it you... when I have to listen to you for 30 seconds before I know what it is you're about <laughs> to say. Because you don't remember me telling you that I actually, that we lined this up. Uh, <laughs> And we're going to actually have an expert come in and basically talk about when and how to talk to our kids right. about the type of terrorist activity that's going on. Right. And, and do it in a way that, um, A, can make them aware of what's going on. Without but also being terrifying without, exactly. and scarring them Which for life. I'm super excited for that particular I show. Because the woman that's coming in, she's an expert. She's written a book. And um, we're setting it all up. So that's going to be coming in the next couple of weeks. So we got that going awesome. on. Got to thank everyone for all of the emails. They've been amazing. Keep them coming. Uh, radparenting at gmail.com. And it's been a great uh, last couple of weeks with all these different episodes. Super excited about the guests that we have in here right now because we've gotten a lot of emails from you guys about single moms out there mm -hmm. that are like, hey, I love your show about you know United Front or <laughs> I know of your show about dad shaming or I love your show about divorce. Hey, can we do a show on being a mom and, and just being a single parent? So we're handling that and you ready for this? Full curveball coming in because we have an actress. She's on a Nickelodeon show, uh, Lost in the West. I'm just going to say your name right now, Fallon Smythe, hanging out. Hi, thank you for having me. With a 
cast on your leg. Oh, yes, gosh. broken foot and all. Yep. So yeah. you're you're an actress. You're a singer. You do the voiceover. Yeah. Uh, you're in Lost in the West. My kids are stoked on that. I already they already said, can you take a photo with her? So I'm gonna make that happen. And then I'm gonna throw it right over to yeah. your mom right now. Single mom. You two kids. Rebecca Prep Han. Said it right. Good job. Wow. Yeah, hi. That's Thanks the for intro. I can hardly wait till the day we can get a, a camera in here and we can have like full video to go with the episode so people <laughs> totally. can see how much Joe talks with his hand. <laughs> you would know this is an it's Italian awesome. guy right here. <clears throat> so the reason that I had to set that intro up was uh, there's a lot we're going to talk about oh today gosh. on the show. And I don't even know what the title will be when you guys, when you guys are checking it. You'll remember, you'll see the title that we came up with. But right now, we've, like I said, we Rebecca, single mom. I I want to hear that entire journey because you've done it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Like when I asked, when I asked Fallon, I, you know, was your mom really single mom? By herself, like yeah. the whole ride, and not just not just Fallon, and but her, also her brother, brother. So two yes. children. Like that. it's just it's no joke. I've been a single mom with one child. I just I can't even imagine that being. Doubled, so. And then we're going to go from that journey into your whole acting and your experience with everything that you're doing as a young woman, 18 years old in Hollywood. Because I got to say right now, when you were coming in, I was a little... I didn't know what your vibe would be like. <laughs> right. And you are the most down to earth person that I've met that is and I've is met a lot of business. people in show yep. business. Like I've met We're here in LA people. And I, I yeah. sound super old because I called it show business. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever uh, I don't, no yes, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So with all of that said, let's start with you, Rebecca, single mom. You've done the whole ride yourself. You've got two wonderful kids, both in entertainment business. Thank you. Um, let's let's by yourself. I know. How is that? I know. You never expect to do it by yourself, but it's just how things, you know, take their own turn. Um, so yeah, I had my children when I was, you know, I felt young. I don't feel as young anymore. <laughs> Today, I do not feel that way. But yeah, it's been quite a ride. I have amazing kids. We uh, have learned a lot together, not just them learning from me. So it's been it's been a journey. And when you said you said something that I think all of us go through, it, it, that you weren't expecting to be the single mom. No. So like, go back to when you were growing up. Where were you raised? What yeah. was the family that you grew up in? Well, that you were expecting, that, hey, that I'm going to mirror yes, that. That would have set your expectation for here's how this looks when you decide to have children. Exactly. So I have a Middle Eastern family. So we're very family-oriented, much like Italians. You know, when it's a family, it's a big family. So gatherings were always large. It was very dynamic, loud a couple languages going on. So <laughs> Yeah. And it was just the way it was for me growing up. Now I was an only child. Uh, and there was a dynamic with my parents where my parents actually got married overseas. It was an arranged marriage back in the day wow. when they actually did that. So when my parents came to the States, you know, that took on its own life. Um they divorced, which is unheard of. And my mother remarried to someone who actually raised me. So I wow. felt like I always had the two-parent dynamic in my life. I had a good relationship with my father. And I had my stepfather, who 
is truly my best friend. So it was really an amazing experience for me. So I always had this vision in my mind there would always be someone with me regardless. Even even if it wasn't, because I think it's really yes. interesting that your history was not traditional in the sense that it wasn't like you had this nuclear family, your parents stayed together, they're still married. You had the experience of you know, divorce with your parents, but then another person Completely. stepping in. And then it sounds like also still having a relationship with your father. So that was not grounds for, oh, I know exactly what it's going to be like to raise two children on my own. That is right. I had no awareness of what that would actually look like. Mm-hmm. The idea of having kids was scary. I think it's scary for for mm-hmm. many of us. But when I actually was confronted with having two children and releasing any expectation of somebody else co-parenting with me mm-hmm. uh, and sitting in that for a moment and accepting it, that's when that transition for me actually happened where, okay, I got to own this. Like, this is what it looks like for me, and this is what I have to do. So that's where I actually just grabbed it and said, let's go. So I think that that's interesting, and I know from from my own experience, and it's interesting you put it that way of sort of making peace with, you know, here's the reality. I need to be the best mother that I can be. But that idea of releasing the idea, because there's this whole other part of it that I know was a struggle for me of how, how do I find that sweet spot of being a great parent and doing everything I can and probably actually caring more than I should have, but also holding the other parent who had contributed to this new life coming into the world. Um, fulfilling his obligation to do right by that child and make sure that resources were provided for her and, and that. So I'm, I'm interested in how that piece of it. So there's, there's one thing with the day-to-day, like the doing, but did that p- other piece ever come in for you where you had to say, okay, I have to make a decision about whether I fight to make sure that there's, you know, say financial resources that come from the other, from, from their father, or I'm just going to do this on my own and then have the most say on the day-to-day and not have to n- navigate you know, yes, he's contributing, but he also thinks he's going to have a say, even though he's not here on the day-to-day. Right. Uh, Did I just go into dicey territory? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot there. I think as a single parent, we always hope that at some point, regardless, that that person steps up and wants to partake and wants to be a part of and wants to contribute. And they do all the right things that they're supposed to do that we believe they're supposed to mm-hmm. do. Uh, that may look different on the other side mm-hmm. of the fence. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was always open to, I will, I accept what you're willing to do mm-hmm. and I accept what you're not willing to do. And I had did to that get come to that. From, did that come from you just that moment a few minutes ago when you said accepting, hey, this is what's going on right now. I got to move forward and not maybe spending time on the negative aspect of it and going, this is what it is. Okay, you're in for here. Cool. Right. I, I'm going to go. For, that battle is going to take too yeah. much precious, precious energy. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And, and here's the thing. I I'm a fiery spirit, so I really do fight for what I believe in, and I knew that it was taking a toll on me, and I wasn't showing up in the world the way that I wanted to show Mm -hmm. up. So I knew that when I was doing one thing, 
it was taking away from another aspect of me needing to be a parent. Mm -hmm. When you say that, that's so important. And I think the listener right now, whether it's a father, whether it's a mother that's going through a divorce, I get a lot of these emails. Anaya reads them too, where the parents are just, the, the email really just centers around the father's not doing this. The mother's not doing this. I'm alone. I, and it's, and they're angry. Do you, do you, can you tell that listener like, Hey, I, I remember that feeling, but the important thing is you're a parent. Like, can you maybe go back into that moment? Cause I think a lot of our listeners that are listening right now, Hey, I'm in, I'm in the, I'm in the front line of this mm -hmm. battle right now. I've got my kids, but I also, you know, I'm angry. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that and go on to do what you've done? Well, I think we have to get ourselves out of the way and I didn't figure that out right away. I was taking a lot of things personally that really had nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when I just realized I'm doing it, why am I carrying all of this resentment and probably energy this person doesn't even necessarily deserve? Uh, or that your resentment is not going to change. Yeah. It's not it's, that your resentment is not going to change his behavior no. or her behavior, whatever the situation Right, might be. exactly. And I, look... I am grateful to my children's father. I am truly, truly grateful for the role he's played in their life. The children have a, a good relationship with him. I just had to realize that if I wanted to raise them the way that I wanted them to look like as human beings in the world, mm -hmm. then I needed to be fully present with that and release the expectation again. And that's really key. Joseph has his hand up. Yeah, because as, as someone that's listening to you, I got to ask you, how long did it did take, take you to get yes. to the point when you just explained it right there? That was beautiful. How long did it, I got to know, how long did it take you to get to that place? And you uh, have to be, give me a real number. I'm, okay, let me, let me try to go there. I, here's, I'm a processor. I'm an emotional processor. And I look at actions and the connection to actions, and I look at the intention behind actions, and I look at what the consequence and the ramifications are of the actions. So for me, I'm going through this, f looking at it from all different dynamics. I was disappointed for my children. They didn't have a two-parent household, mm -hmm. which is what I wanted them to have. I wanted them to have that dynamic. So it it took me it took me a good two and a half years of hanging on to expectations mm -hmm. and then finally just waking up one day going, Hey, I'm doing a pretty yeah. good job. Mm -hmm. I can do this. Uh, it's almost like how people say the way you measure your success, you know, it really depends on how you measure your own success. And what, yeah. you, what you were doing was you had all of these thoughts and ideas of what you thought. What your you family, valued most. Yeah. And when you yeah. say, I felt like I was letting my, you know, my kids were getting let down because they weren't going to have a two family household. And then all of a sudden you wake up and your kids are happy and you're happy and you're like, wait, we're doing it. We're right. actually doing it. Right I, right. I love hearing that. I had to get that number out of you because just for the people out there right now that are just starting that journey, mm -hmm. you know, they're like, wow, you know, okay. Okay. Two and a half years. You know, maybe sooner, maybe sooner for it some could people. Be. It could be. And and here's the thing. And, and I really in life try to be aware of 
the expectations we as people put on other people. Mm-hmm. And when we have expectations, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. So I learned to release my expectation and whatever the person, however he wanted to show up, I was just, I was grateful for. And look, there were, there were periods of time. It was really amazing. And, and, you know, there was a transition. He moved back east. And I think even then it was good because that it was even helpful for me saying, okay, I got this. Mm-hmm. You know, I really can yep. do this. He's just not here. That option is actually not yeah. here. And so I need to dig deep and make this happen. Yeah. Be the best parent I can be. Make sure that my children are guided and loved and supported. And everything else is just is extra. It falls to the wayside. Uh, right, it right. Has to. And, and what I also needed to realize was how he and I interact, really, I needed to put that aside. It was how he what his role with was with my children and whether it was, you know, phone calls or visits or whatever that looked like, it was important for them to have their own clear interpretation and love experience with their father. Yeah. Without my, my commentary. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Right. No, no, I understand that. And I think, though, that, that you've just touched on something that I think is also important that a lot of single parents struggle with, and that is how much do I um, advocate for my children? So to what extent – like I found myself um, doing a lot of like, okay, so I'm going to keep making the phone calls and keep them connected if she wins a soccer game, you know, whatever mm-hmm. she got on a report card. And at some point I had to say – I can't carry all this. I can't be driving all the contact. Um, and, and the other thing that I was always fully committed to doing was I never spoke a bad word about him in front of her. And then when she became, you know, it was right around the time she turned 18 that she basically interrogated him and asked him every question that had ever been, you know, filed <laughs> in her brain. Mm-hmm. And then she was able to have her own experience of him. And I had peace of mind that that had come in this really organic way and that however she saw him was her own experience of him. And I didn't have to carry the load of, did I taint that? Have I messed up her relationship with her dad? Have I made her, you know, what, see him in the light that my experience was based on, all of which would have been really unfair. Agreed. And and that's amazing that you were able to do that because a lot of parents aren't. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. That's the worst. If there, I don't, you know, I'm not the divorce, divorce expert, but the, I always just say, you know what, you can't talk negative about the parent that's not in the picture regardless. And it just doesn't set the right uh, – it's not going to set the right tone for anybody. It's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And, and not only that, the dynamic of even in a two-parent household, you sure. know, when parents have issues, <laughs> yeah. it, the same thing applies. Yeah. Yeah. It really this, does. Yeah, and I always say this. My kids figure out real quick. Real quick, dad's being lame. Yeah, yeah. no, mom doesn't need to say anything. Dad, you're being lame. Like they, they'll yell that from the living room. Dad, shut up! You're being lame in there. Yeah. Hey, I'm gonna switch gears right now. Switching gears. Fallon, you're sitting here. You've been so quiet. Your mom just laid all that knowledge on us right now. I was so yes. great to get that because I know a lot of listeners are like, yes, all right, I'm gonna get through this journey. When you hear everything your mom says right there, mm-hmm. what what goes through your mind? Well. I have, I've grown up with my mom being the sole parent in the household, and I've had a good relationship with my dad. I've been able to see him occasionally and when there's time, but it really helps me get even a greater idea from what I already know being at home with her, that 
even though my dad is there, she really has been the mother and the father, in a sense. Because there are day-to-day -day things that you miss when you're not there. And she's really done an amazing job with molding me and my brother and finding a good balance of being fun and happy and lighthearted when then you really have to crack the whip down and, you know, set rules. And Let's talk done. about the molding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wanna, what's, it, what's it like to be molded by your mom? Intense. What's it like? What's it like? It's like, give me some memories of being <laughs> well, a young kid. Yeah, no, but I mean, or even just like when you think about when you look at yourself yeah. now as a young woman moving into adulthood yes. and you say, you know, here are, you know, three things about me that mm -hmm. I can see, you know, the, the thread back to things that my mom did. Yeah. What, can you think of, is that really of putting you on the spot? Okay, cool. No, she, and we talk about this all the time because we have a really open household and open relationship and I talk to her about everything. She has really molded me into the person I am because even from a young age, she would come to me with questions. How do you feel about this? And how are your relationships with your friends at school? And I had to look within that you usually don't do when you're in fifth grade, that how do these people treat me in my life? And I've carried everything she's taught me to now where I'm 18 and I'm experiencing more teenage life and people at this age are very insecure and are finding out who they are. And I've been able to look within and see what I can shift in myself to make myself a better person. And I, she's really taught me how to take responsibility for my own actions. So I can always look back at a situation and say, okay, well, next time I'm faced with this situation, I can handle it a little differently. And then looking... Which, let's just say that I know full-blown, <laughs> like, adults in their 30s and 40s that ha do not are not capable of taking responsibility, are not capable of being self-reflective. Mm -hmm. um, so that's huge. And it's something that I noticed in you, like, almost from the first moment Thank I you. met you. So, Okay, <laughs> so that's you. one. That's awesome. Yeah. And then even looking at people in my life, seeing through their intentions. And she's taught me to be very intuitive. I just trust my gut. Mm. And when something feels off for me, I listen to that. Mm -hmm. And... 99% of the time, it's right, and it's helped me avoid situations that I'd prefer to not be in, and it's helped me see people in my life, their true intentions, and really helped me be able to keep the right people around me. Mm -hmm. So, And right wow. meaning, like, people who support you, feed yeah. your soul. People who make me better. Yep. You know, because I prefer to be with people that you know, are supportive and trustworthy and listen and can be fun. And when you're a teenager, not many people know who they are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they get caught in the wrong crowd with the wrong people. And even though they might be good people, sometimes we have to take a step back and let them figure themselves out mm -hmm. and realize what's good for me to have in my life. Mm -hmm. So that's been something she's wow. really been able to teach me. Nay, I'm blown away too. <laughs> I told, I told <laughs> you. Yeah, there's people I know that are 40 years old yes. that that aren't, haven't learned everything that you've learned well, right there. And, and I, can I, I think can that, I ask Fallon one sure, thing? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I got to say. So when you were growing, I want to go back to when mm -hmm. you, it's your mom, you, and your brother. And as a kid growing up, I always have memories because my parents were divorced, and I always have memories. Uh, I was really fortunate because my dad was very much a part of 
my my growing up and my mom and her my mom and dad were very they're they I was I always kid around that was how I learned how to manage bands because because <laughs> my mom and dad would tell my mom would say tell your dad this and then my dad would say tell your mom that so it was like I was talking to the guitar player and the lead singer because that's like like mom and dad I always say are yeah. like or like Mick and Keith in the band and the bass player and drummer no one really yeah. cares about that's the kids no one really cares about the kids but like. But um, but I was but I learned I learned that communication with them. So I, I had them so much in my life. But I remember as a little kid, you know, just the neighborhood I grew up in, and and seeing the other families and the things that they were doing. Maybe they were like going on their family trips, and Dad mm-hmm. came home, and Mom like was the there. Flanders. You know, just they would do stuff. And mm-hmm. as a kid growing up, I was like, wow, you know, I, I felt like at a certain point maybe I was missing out mm-hmm. on certain things like that. But then I would you know go into my kitchen and see my mom and and my sister, and we had our we had our vibe and our energy and mm-hmm. and, it, and it was great and i did love it do you remember any kind of those memories growing up when you know when you realized hey you know my dad's not here and i'm with my mom full time i do and she's doing both jobs mm-hmm. as well as everything else yeah because there all my friends you know would go on these family vacations like you were talking about and there was a part of me you know for a split second where i thought man you know i wish i wish we were just like a perfect family that you know went to wisconsin together <laughs> to a lake and <laughs> You know, got a cabin or something. Wisconsin. <laughs> I know. Of all the places you <laughs> yeah. just picked Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> I had to realize, just like you did, we have our own vibe and yeah. our own circle. And this is our family. And it's beautiful and it's flawed and I love it. And I get to see my dad when I see him. And that's great. And he's silly and funny and makes us laugh. And then I'm home with my mom and we do Sunday family dinners where we'll invite friends over and just talk and say everything we're grateful for and that's my family vibe so everyone has a different experience and i I think it's important you know obviously your mom's heard you say that before but for the parents listening that are going through that divorce i think they need to know that maybe the pressure you're putting on yourself to make it all perfect and that oh gosh i got divorced and the Mm. guilt that comes along with that regardless of you know how it all happened it's it's it it's to know that your kids are like nah i like this we live here and you're here mm-hmm. and i love you and i know you love me and we have our we have our vibe because it is when you're looking out that front window of your house or wherever you live and you see the the perfectness going across the street you know and i think we can all vouch for this it's maybe not that perfect over it's there because no. how many times you know do we have the friends with the the mom and dad and and there still wasn't perfectness going on yeah. so i want i'm i'm glad that you're that candid with telling us about that yeah, and I've she's always taught me that everything happens for a reason. So I look at every situation in my life of even if it doesn't feel super positive in the moment, mm-hmm. that there's a purpose and that there's a lesson within it. And I know that I have the family I have for a reason, and it's helped shape who I am. And my dad has taught me lessons. My mom has taught me lessons. My brother has taught me mm-hmm. things. So everything in my life happens the way it's supposed to. So this is, I mean, it's, it's just every, I'm listening to the two of you, and I think, and I'm a big uh, proponent of divorce, you know, single parenthood, co-parenting from separate, you know, places in, in a neighborhood, on the planet, whatever, does not have to be destructive. And I think that there's a lot of people that stay in unhealthy relationships longer than they should. And we've got lots of listeners out there. I know that they're out there right now saying, I am desperately unhappy, but I'm going to stay for the kids. And one of the things I, I said this to Joe earlier, when I met uh, you and when I met Rebecca and Fallon the first time, I was so immediately 
taken by how, you know, here's a young woman who is, I mean, these years of, of, of any person's life are usually like tumultuous and difficult and, and we're idiots. And I met Fallon. I'm like, this is one of the most grounded young women I have ever met. And so I think it's like, I mean, I feel like you two are like, you know, you should be on a poster for <laughs> here's, here's what's possible, you know, so that people don't shy away from making changes in their lives that they don't feel like, you know, if I make this choice and I understand that it wasn't necessarily, I mean, there was definitely choice involved on your part, but that, that if we, you know, myself and my partner or myself, and my husband, my wife, whatever, if we make the choice that this is no longer where we need to be to be happy individuals, it does not have to destroy our ch- children. And in fact, in as with Fallon sitting in front of me, in fact, there's the potential to grow these incredible human beings. So I think it's important for people to hear that. And I'm wondering how even with a young woman who's in show business, <laughs> there it is, Joe. There's the term. Um, because I've said like raising my daughters in LA is, and they're not in, in the industry has been a, like, am I really doing the right? Should I move to Wisconsin <laughs> where, where it'll be easier? I grew up on the prairies in Canada, you know, just maybe we need to live in a small town. And I have been amazed at how well they seem to be turning out. But to have a, a, a daughter who's working in the industry, how, what do you think has helped to keep her such being such a grounded whole human being, even as she's in that industry? Uh, I think keeping things real, you know, not living in this illusion of who we want to be, but who we actually are. Mm. So, I mean, we all, and, and uh, touching on ego for mm-hmm. a moment, um, we talk a lot about ego in our family because, you know, the person that walks around who's always right that's a bit of ego. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a and that's also partnered with fear. So I try to break down ego and release the fear that we operate from. And being in LA, you know, we moved, I'm from Ohio. So I moved from Ohio to Las Vegas and they were both born in Vegas. So we lived a good portion of their adolescent life in Vegas. When Fallon started uh, when she decided that she wanted to pursue show business. <laughs> For everyone listening, <laughs> That's what we're wish- calling this. we have a title. It's going to be called something, uh, something show business. <laughs> I said it once. I- <laughs> uh, <laughs> when she decided that that's what she wanted to pursue, I originally was just driving from Vegas to L.A. Mm-hmm. weekly. And I was making two trips a week driving. So I would make that drive in a day. And it was really, really hard on me. But I did it because I felt like this was really something she was passionate about and I wanted to support it. What was the – I got to go back. Mm-hmm. What was what was it that got you in initially? What was like, the draw? Hey, I want to be a singer. Hey, yeah. I want to be an actress. What was? How old are you so, two when you're doing these drives from Vegas? Right. Well, the drives from Vegas, I was about 14, 15. But when I was six years old, my brother was about four and looked at the TV and Drake and Josh was on. And he said, Mommy, I want to I wanna do that. I want to be on that. So my mom took him to an acting class because he said he wanted to try it out. He didn't have any interest at the moment. But then I was like, oh, Mommy, I want to do that too. And I did a class. But then she gave me time. She didn't force that down my throat at all. And then it had come up again when I was 
13, my mom's friend had put me in an acting class kind of just to get me comfortable with thinking on my feet and being comfortable in my skin. And from that, I fell in love with it. And I said, Mom, this is definitely what I want to do. And I'd found an agent from the acting class. And we were still living in Vegas at the time. And when I would get an audition, you know, in Hollywood, she would drive me at 6 in the morning to Los Angeles, audition in the room for five minutes, and drive oh all the way back to Nevada. <laughs> and this was happening tw- like wow. two times, three times a week. And I can't even imagine being a mom having that pressure. Because I sat in the car. I, I still had my own <laughs> stress, like, <laughs> thinking about... Yeah, I'm going to throw it out right now. <laughs> yeah. My kids... Had to go to Vegas tonight, and, and it would not happen. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if they're, exactly. yeah just letting you know. And it twice in one week. Sorry, I know. We're, you're not. You're not doing that. Whatever it is so, that you're okay, doing. So hold yeah. on. So listen, can I, I? I have to ask the question. Yeah, I know. I so think what <laughs> you know. What is it? Because something and just something must have felt in you like th- this is because I'm. I'm certain. I just know your dynamic. It wasn't like well, whatever Fallon wants, Fallon gets. Right. That's not who either no, of you. No. It, it happens to be. So what was it in you that when this, you know, when this. T- teenage daughter says, here's what I want to do, that you go, okay, then we're going to do a four-hour drive each way Mm -hmm. to Hollywood to do a five-minute audition. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You know, I think as parents, we all think that our kids have something. And I think we probably are more aware of what our kid might have, a Mm -hmm. quality they may have, sometimes before a child even discovers it. So when we... rewind to when my son wanted to take that acting Mm -hmm. class and then he was basically ADD and couldn't even sit still (laughs) in the room and the acting coach came and she said look your son's really great but he just doesn't have any attention and I had already paid for you know six or eight weeks of classes and I said oh well what should I do and she said honestly I don't think he's ready and Fallon happened to be watching and she said can I do it? Oh cool. And (laughs) I And I try to be really careful with having – I wanted them each to have something because there's also this dynamic of sibling mm-hmm, rivalry mm-hmm. where I didn't want him to compete with his sister and I didn't want his sister to compete with her brother. But when she stepped up and he could care less at the moment – Four years old. Right. <laughs> easy. Right. Yeah. I said, sure, you can try it. And I did not have any expectations of what that looked like. After that class, the coach came to me, and she said, You're, there's something really special here. I, I'd like to write something for your daughter. And I, was, I didn't know what that meant, to right. be really honest. I'm not an actor. So right. I, I said, well, what do, you, what do you mean? And she said, I'd like to write a pilot um, for your daughter because she's just she has so much going for her and so many expressions and sh- the way she expresses herself. And I said, okay, okay, wow. great. So you, had, you had validation. So there was this there sense was. of knowing your child, knowing that you, you also thought there was something there, but really getting it from this person in the industry who right. acknowledged Well, you it. know, ironically, let's go to her father for a second. Her father knew there was something there. Her dad knew that there was something special, but I didn't necessarily know how to approach it. So I didn't know which direction to go with that. And I just thought, well, I think it'll just show itself to me. And that's really what happened. She took this class. I got validation from the coach. And then the acting school closed. So there's a lot of time that goes by that 
we're not doing anything, and mm-hmm. she's in school, and we're living life, and we're parents, and we're in sports, and doing activities. I wanted to be a vet. I she totally wanted to be a vet. Forget about it. <laughs> right? I'm going to yeah. be a vet. Yeah. And she was writing songs, you know, so she toyed around with writing lyrics, and she had been writing songs since she was six years old. Yeah. So one day, I have a friend over who happened to be a stand-up comic and an actor, and he said, hey, you know, I'd are you okay if Fallon goes to this improv class with me? I'd love to see how she sh- likes it. And I said, yeah, I'd love that. I said, let's, he said, what about Robert? I said, let's do one at a time. <laughs> let's <laughs> focus on her and see what she takes away from it. Again, the acting coach reaches out to me and said, there's something special here. And that's when I, like, it really, really resonated with me. But again, I just gave it a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. He wrote a short film yes. that Fallon ended up starring in. And from that short film, an agent saw it and called me. So that that's where the ball really, really life started un- rolling. Life unfolding. Okay, yeah. so here's, I have to ask this, because this is really important. As going back to the whole, like, parent in L.A., there, I would say the the sharp difference I see is there are people who are chasing celebrity and there are people who are chasing the art of the craft. Right. Exactly. And um, I would be worried, especially in during one's adolescent years where there's a natural inc- inclination to just to need like affirmation from outside oneself and the acting world being one where you get lots of hits really quickly and then what what happens when they go away so how did you how have you been able and maybe Fallon you you know have done some of this on your own as well but h- what do you think has enabled you to kind of have a certain you know, armor or a certain, um, mm. do you know what I'm saying? That's of course. Yeah, I mean, because the first thing of that course. goes through my mind is, is that the day and age we live in, p- some people are going to love you. And then some people are going to be like, not very pleasant. Yeah. Social yeah. media, the social media and you're, and you're like, hanging it out there. It's not like you, what you're working on. You're there. You have the Twitter, you have everything going on. Um, and, and this, like I said, the social media, it's not like it used to be where people can, not let them no. know that people if yeah. people want to tell you that they're not feeling you they can do that we all know that yes how do you deal with that how do you deal well, with everything that Anaya just said that that yeah that ability to just go i'm going to work on my art i'm going to be mm-hmm. doing what i do and not care what other people think how do you do that well i had read this quote that really has stuck with me and it said you're not going to be for everyone so who i am not everyone is going to like me and that's okay because I like me and I have people in my life who love me and I know my worth and I know what I'm capable of and if I focus on that then in my mind nothing can stop me and my mom has once again helped shape that with me and given me tools that then I can use to figure myself out and with social media it's a whole nother story that how does that? Yeah. I know not everyone's gonna like me. Mm-hmm. How do you do that when yeah. I'm just because I'm just telling you right now? If I get if I do a show on a Friday night at the Improv and I'm rolling home and it's just like at Joe Sib, totally bomb, man. <laughs> yeah. Go back to Glendale. Well, and, co- and I'll, I'll, I'll that's like a that's like a show like pull the Prius over, cry for a little <laughs> yeah. bit. You yeah. know, just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's a tough one to, to deal with. I mean, you sound like that's not the issue with you. Well, that stuff still hurts. And I. Okay, that am, makes me feel better. Yeah, and I am <laughs> not perfect and have dealt with many insecurities of my own, but it's about overcoming those and not letting those control my life. And people 
can easily hide behind a computer screen mm-hmm. and say whatever they want to make themselves feel better, in a sense. But I have to look at that and say, okay, but does that really define mm. who I am? Mm-hmm. And it might take me an hour, you know, of thinking about it, like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe they think this of me. What did I do wrong? What can I do to fix it? Because I, in a sense, can be a people pleaser, which I'm working on to correct, but... I have to forget about all of that and say, no, I know who I am. I know my family loves me. I know my friends love me. I You know your intent behind what you're doing. Yeah, I know I have no ill intentions. And so when I start to think about that, the hurtful words don't bother me as much. And I feel badly for them because I feel, wow, if you have to sit there and write negative things to hurt other people, what has your life been like? Yeah. I... I come, I'm a very diplomatic person and... Clearly. Yeah. (laughs) And and I don't really blame people. And when other people are hurtful, I have to remember it's not about me. Mm -hmm. That's about them. Mm -hmm. And there was this other quote that says, what Susie says of Sally says more of Susie than Sally. So if people tell me, oh, you're going to fail, then I think, well, they must think they're going to fail if that's what they're trying to get me to believe about myself. And so it's really just keeping in mind. Okay, so but the whole other the whole other layer of this as a young woman Mm -hmm. is the pressure and the um the judgment and the degree to which we tell girls and women that their value is defined by their appearance. Yes. So how has has that been something that you have to you have to battle like those messages that any girl or woman has to to mm-hmm. battle and then on top of that the magnifying glass of with all the media exactly mm-hmm. exactly how do you manage yeah. well just being a teenage girl that's hard enough mm-hmm. i mean i've been homeschooled so i know girls in high school get that from their peers which i can only imagine is so hard cuz those are people you know but with me it's the industry and it's media and it's casting and mm-hmm. There's a part of this where I thought for a period of time, I am defined by my image. I am defined by how much I weigh. I'm defined by, you know, if I go in and look pretty enough Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to book a certain job if I don't lose these five pounds. And that had gotten me down for a while. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really hard for me. And I would break down crying and I would feel like I forgot about all the talent and all everything that... I know about myself. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, if if I can't be bone model thin, I'm not going to make it. Like, who am I? And mom had to help me with that as well. And I had to remember the right things will find me. And I had to keep in mind that I wasn't defined by if my face was a little more swollen one day or mm-hmm. if I was a little more bloated or whatever it was in that the right role and the role that I was meant to have and that one would suit me, I would get. And, and maybe even the people associated with that role. Because exactly. I think that's even like the next the next piece of that is in any walk of life that if these if these people will see my value mm-hmm. And what is behind that if yeah. they are, are people I want to spend time with anyway? Yeah. And if they don't, then I need to push on to the mm-hmm. next the next opportunity. Exactly. And Meryl Streep had said that a casting director told her she was too ugly for Hollywood. Mm. And look at her. She's Meryl uh-huh. Streep. <laughs> yeah, come on. Now. And so mm. I have to keep in mind that 
none of those things really define mm-hmm. me. It's the talent that you walk in the room with, and it's the dedication, and it's the hard work that you put behind everything. And once I forgot about all the superficial, materialistic things, I felt better. And it's still something that I might struggle with day to day, and I'll have a quick glimpse of, oh my gosh, like I, I need to be more on top of everything. But then I'm like, no, it's I am me. I, I eat healthy. I work out. I... This is my body, and I am happy with it, and I have to love that. And once I start loving it, then other people will. Nice. Yeah. Wow, man, I got to say, hearing you, yeah, yeah, where do you go from there, Anaya? Just, I, I, 49 year old man going, I need to be more like Like Fallon. You got to be more like Fallon. No, Um, everything you're saying, Fallon. You know, the first thing that goes through my mind just when you're, when you're, when you're talking is I, I just, I'm just going back to, to the five hour rides from Vegas for the audition. That right there, I'd love that. That's hard work. That's determination. Uh, You know, your mom saying, let's do this, Mm -hmm. uh, getting in the vehicle and making making the road trips yeah. now you guys are here and the work you know you're you're on a nickelodeon um i was gonna give a shout out again to it lost in the west yes. um i was gonna fast forward to it because i know you know some of the people listening to the show right now a lot of them are like i want to hear about that because they've you know they've mm-hmm. seen you um like what 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 after all this whole journey of everything that you said you know and everything you're saying looking you know not not worrying about all the deeply philosophical stuff. Yeah. After that, <laughs> now let's get into the fun of just like, oh, yes. oh my God, I'm on this show. This mm-hmm. is awesome. It's all, all this work from the from doing the improv classes to this. How does it feel right now? Like right now, where you're at at 18 and the beginning of your career because you're just yeah. beginning. And I know you know it's so you know it's so rad when I'm when I'm doing this interview right now. I already imagine like Academy Award being handed to you <laughs> nice. and me sitting on the couch and I'm totally old gray haired man and going, yeah, know her. <laughs> yeah, I totally remember. When I had her on Rad Parenting, Thank what's up? like I totally visualized that right Thank now. I love and that. then they pan and I saw your mom there. Awesome. I yeah. love it. It's all about beautiful. intention. I saw your mom yeah. there. I saw I saw it. Like I am a visual yeah, I totally saw We have saw that vision. Like, we yeah. see yeah. that. I saw, yeah. it. I saw it. Yeah. I totally saw it. Yeah. Okay, so how is yeah. it? Yeah, it well, I'd gone through, I don't know, six auditions for Lost in the West, and it was a tough process. It was a lot of callbacks, a lot of Hard work and reading over my lines a ton and mix and matches where you read with other people who were auditioning. And finally, I found out that I booked it. And Tell the, me about when you found out you booked it. Yeah, I was like I, that moment. I got a call from... Was it you or your mom gets a call? Because I'm picturing Little it's, Miss Sunshine. Yeah. When, <laughs> when they call to tell her she gets yeah, it. Okay. My mom gets the call first. And usually, because I have this team of managers, and there are two, uh, Bill and Darcy, and... They call my mom, and I know when they're on a call together, I'm like, okay, it's either really bad or it's really good. That's true. Yeah, and so my heart kind of stops, you know, I, I start to shake a little bit, and I'm frozen, and my mom said, hey, you know, Bill and Darcy are on the phone, they want to talk to you, and I'm like, uh, okay, and I talk, and they said, hey, Fallon, um, I, we have some news, um, it's about Lost in the West, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm, like, trembling Rambling. in my oh, house, my gosh. and they said, you booked it. And I just, I start screaming and I'm crying and I'm emotional. And for me, it's just validation that this hard work pays off. And the plus side was it was filming in Spain. So nice. I know. And <laughs> we're I, going to Spain. Yeah. Exactly. That's what your mom did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spain. I know. Yeah. And I'm such a traveler and I've always just wanted to experience the world and go everywhere I can. And to be able to do something I love in a new country, I was 
over the moon. And I would text with my cast, and we would plan everything, and I wanted to go sightsee. And when we got there, we were there in about two and a half, three months. We shot all three movies in that time span, so it was a lot of long hours. We mm -hmm. had weekends off, and I got to be a tourist. But it was incredible. I mean, I got to go to a castle in Spain. I got to see all these incredible things with amazing people in a gorgeous country. And it was one of the best experiences of my life so far. So, and I, let, Just to talk a little bit about some of the content of the movie, because yes. doing what I do in the world in terms of ad advocating for girls' empowerment, when yes. my little one, who's seven... I mean, she was picking up within about, you know, 15 minutes of the movie. She was picking up on how the girls were holding their mm -hmm. own. And so can you just talk a little bit about, of like, course. how how did it feel to you? Because I know, knowing you, that you would recognize, like, oh, yeah. like, th this girl's a badass. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not, we're not playing damsels here. Exactly. So tell me about that. Well, in the movie, I play two characters. So, because it's kind of like a Back to the Future thing. We go into the past, and there are the moments in the present as well. So I was myself's great, great, great grandmother in the past. And in the present, I was this nerdy girl, you know, history buff. But from reading the script and really figuring the character out, I really held my own. And I wasn't shy about my brains. I would blurt out answers in class, because now... Almost girls are afraid yes. to be smart yep. and afraid to know more than boys. And that's what I loved about that character, Lisa, is she knew a whole lot and wasn't afraid to show it. And then in the past, my character, Luna, she was this Indian girl, very grounded, very connected, very spiritual. And she was such a tough girl. She would ride horses. She would lasso. And the boys had no idea what they were doing. So <laughs> yeah. I had to teach, teach them, them everything. everything. Yeah. It. And so it was really, really great finding that while we were working that I am this empowered young girl in this movie. And I loved that young girls were able to see such a strong female lead. And um, another girl in the film, she was also this totally tough girl and taught the boys everything and through knives, which you should not do at home. But it was <laughs> really, really cool to see that female empowerment going nice. on in it. Very yeah. nice. What a journey. And bravo to Nickelodeon for putting out yeah. a movie yeah. like absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely, man. I got to thank you guys so much for coming in today and uh, taking the time. Rebecca, thank you so much for sharing your journey. Is Fallon yours too? I mean, Thanks. and the two of you, uh, it, this, this, this story obviously is all comes together because it's the two of you, but it really is such um, an amazing to sit here and listen to the two of you and also for your whole career ahead of you. Just I know that the sky's the limit, man. And and just your attitude is so refreshing and, and awesome. It's positive. It's all you know, positive mental attitude. That's what we're all about. And, and Rebecca, I really appreciate you being so open about everything with, uh, you know, raising your, your two kids, because I know a lot of our listeners have been hitting up Anae and I over and over and over for a single mom show. Yeah. Yeah. So pl I, yeah, please, when you email, if there's anything and Rebecca, I don't want to overwhelm you, but, <laughs> but certainly if there are questions that, you know, you have after listening to this episode, you specifically want to shoot something over to Rebecca, send it to us at radparenting at gmail.com. And we will definitely make sure that Rebecca 
Rebecca gets it. I think it's so inspiring to see that it is possible to raise phenomenal young children as a single parent, that people don't need to be afraid of that or shy away from it, um, but do embrace the journey and trust yeah. the good stuff and the possibility. Thank you. And it's true. I'm Honestly, women are amazing creatures. If we can give birth, mm-hmm. you can raise a child you on your own. Yeah. You can do anything. And honestly, you can do it. Any woman out there struggling right now, you've just got to look at it from a different perspective. It really is just a slight shift in your mind of how you're looking at something. And believe you can do it, and you really can. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, Rad Parenting, we are out of here. And once again, all the emails, radparenting at gmail.com. Please keep them coming. We want to thank all of you guys. A lot of good shows uh, on the horizon. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming in. (laughs) This is an amazing show. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys all again next week. I'm Joe Sib and Late. Hey.